Welcome to Windsor Christian Fellowship Church Podcast. Our church vision is to win generations to Christ, connect them to His master plan, empower them to succeed, and grow the kingdom of God. For other podcast resources or more information about Windsor Christian Fellowship, please visit us at www.wcf.ca. Who's excited for the Word of God today? Come on. I know I'm speaking it, but it's the Word of God. It's the living Word of God. I always say it's just not ink on a paper. It's living Word. I like to say that when we, we might read the Bible, but it's not us reading the Bible. The Bible reads us, and it, it, and it guides us and leads us, and it shows us where we can tweak things along. It encourages us. It, it, it convicts us. So I just want to say, before I get started on the message, and um, wasn't that a great scripture verse that pastor jacob read today that was amazing and that song worthy of it all wow come on somebody who just i don't know maybe i'm just a little emotional today i don't know but or maybe the spirit is burning inside of me about that song about that scripture read but wow that was powerful and that's kind of what the bible does so when i when this message today when i when i'm kind of presenting this message i don't want you ever to think that i'm here condemning you belittling you or shaming you This message is a message that challenged me. So when I speak this message, I'm speaking personally that it's challenging me. And I also want to challenge you. But I don't want me challenging you, even though I might say I'm challenging you. I want you to challenge yourself. Because we could be the worst enemy. Come on, somebody. Come on, family. We could be our worst enemy. So, so I challenge myself. But when I challenge myself, I challenge it with the word, the living word. I said the living word of God. So who's ready for the first verse? If you're taking notes, it's in 1 Kings 18.21. Now, before I get started, this is where Elijah is having a showdown. There's a battle going on. This is like bigger than boxing, MMA. This is bigger than any sporting event that you've ever watched. This is a big, huge battle because the Lord is going to get involved in this battle. And in this battle, it's a sacrifice versus sacrifice. Where are you going to sacrifice? Where are you going to surrender? Where are you going to worship? And it starts off with Elijah saying in 1 Kings 18.21, Elijah challenged the people. How long... This is in the message version, by the way. How long are you going to sit on the fence? If God is the real God, follow him. If it's Baal, follow him. Make up your minds. How long are you going to sit on the fence? So now when I'm saying how long are you, I'm not pointing my finger at you. I'm asking you to just challenge yourself. Say to yourself, how long am I? Because I got to tell you something, family. Every now and then I catch myself sitting on the fence, wondering which side I should take. Now when Elijah was coming down and saying this, he was so confident, so bold, so passionate when he said, how long are you going to sit on the fence? If God is a real God, see, here's the thing. Elijah knew that this God that we serve is real. And he knew that this Baal, this small g God, did not even exist. So when he's saying, how long will you sit on the fence? Who will you serve? Choose either God or Baal. He's not saying either serve this God or this God is real too. What he's saying is, how long are you going to sit on the fence? Are you going to serve God? 
Or are you going to still keep serving idols and things of this world, these man-made images that you have created? I don't know about you, but I, have, I don't want to be created by a man-made image. I don't want to create an image and then, then I dictate what it says. I want to be created by God because he created me and I'm created in his image. So I choose to serve, to surrender, to sacrifice on the God who created me in his image. And he knew this. He knew this, and he's not saying that this Baal was real, but he was so bold, yet so confident that this God that we serve is so real that he's going to come through, and he says who he says he is. See, because we could sit on the fence, and we can justify things all day long, and we can make it okay because we've created these gods in our lives, and we start letting us dictate what life is supposed to be, and then we start doing things that we know we shouldn't, but we start validating it and justifying it because we're creating these gods. We create these idols, these false gods in our image when I want to serve a God who created us in his image. Amen. Come on, somebody. I'm speaking to somebody today. Which side do we lie on? This is what he's saying to them because he wants them to bring their sacrifice. Now, we're going to talk about what transpired in this sacrifice, but before we do, I'm going to give you the ending of what happened in the sacrifice, the ending. Anybody ever read a book and you got to read the ending, right? I remember I was reading The Hunger Games, and my favorite character, who read The Hunger Games? My favorite character was Finnick O'Dare. I just love that guy. He was so cool, yet so humble. Kind of reminded me of somebody. <laughs> Not me. <laughs> but I was reading the book, and I'm like, man, I just want to see, like, I want to make sure Finnick doesn't die in the book. <laughs> Because this book would really suck then, right? I, just, I don't want to read this book anymore. So I was looking through the chapters, and I don't see his name anywhere. I'm like, oh, my gosh, Finnick is going to die. Finnick is going to die. And I'm like, I don't see him anywhere at the end, anywhere. His name, you know, and I find out he dies. But I had to read the ending to, like, set me up. So does anybody ever have to sometimes read the ending? Well, I'm going to give you the ending in 1 Kings. It's 18, 36 through 40. So he went through the whole sacrifice, and we're going to get back to it. But I just want to tell you the ending. At the usual time for the offering, the evening sacrifice, Elijah the prophet walked up to the altar and prayed, O Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, prove today that you, that you are God in Israel and that I am your, I am your servant. It's not the other way around, but you're God and I'm your servant. Prove that I have done all this at your command. O Lord, answer me. Answer me so these people, these people will know that you are Lord. Not me, but you, God, are Lord, and that you have brought them back to yourself. Immediately, immediately the fire of the Lord flashed down from heaven and burnt up the young bull, the wood, the stones, and the dust. It even licked up all the water in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell face down on the ground and cried out, the Lord, he is God. Yes, the Lord is God. Then Elijah commanded with boldness and confidence and passion, seize all the prophets of Baal. Don't let a single one escape. So the people seized them all. And Elijah took them down to the Kishon Valley and killed them there. Our title today, family, is Wise Men Seek Him, Frankincense. That's what they gave him. Wise men seek him. And the whole point of those wise men seeking Jesus is they knew who this one true God is. And they gave him gold to declare that he is a true treasure and frankincense to symbolize that he is the king worthy of worship, sacrifice, and surrender. That we come to him, that he alone is worthy of our worship. 
that he will sacrifice for each and every one of us, that he is worthy of our sacrifice and our surrender. See, frankincense was this sweet aroma that they would put into the incense, into when they worship, and it was this sweet aroma, this sweet smell. And the reason why the fire came down for Elijah in that sacrifice is because the Lord accepted that offering because it was a sacrifice of worship, of surrender, a sacrifice of saying, Lord God, you are worthy. It is all of you, not me, but everything is because of you and from you and for you and with you and in you. And then the fire of the Lord accepted and took it because it was a sweet aroma to God. So are you ready to dig in a little bit about what happened in that sacrifice? Is it okay that I read the word a little bit, quite a bit of word today? Is that okay, family? Is it okay that I read more word than telling jokes today? Yeah? Yeah. Yes, that hurts. So my jokes really are bad lately. (laughs) 1 Kings 18, 22. Then Elijah said to them, this is right after he said, where are you going to sit? Which fence are you going to take? Then Elijah said to them, I am the only prophet of the Lord who is left. But Baal has 450 prophets. Check this out, family. He was the minority. He was the only one left. There were other prophets, but they were either killed or they were hiding because the king wanted to get rid of them all. So Baal, at that moment, with the whole majority there not serving the Lord, he was the only one. Can you be the only one, family, if all your friends are getting a divorce or weighing over here? Can you be the one that will still stand firm and say, I do not accept it. I do not believe it. I will still stay with my husband. I won't fall into the crowd of them all going to the bars because when you do that, you still start letting that become your idol and your worship and what you worship is what you become see if you worship money we become greedy and you don't have to be rich to become greedy if you worship sex if you worship uh, material possessions we become lustful if you worship people we become people pleaser you see what i'm saying i'm saying i'm saying you can enjoy some of these things in the right way in god's way but if you worship it if you start creating it in your image and putting it as your idol then we start becoming that so can we be the only one If you're the only one in this room and I was speaking another message that wasn't the word of God, but you came into this conference and they're speaking of some unknown God, would you still be the one in there? I'm not taking that. I still believe in my God. I'm not going to stand for that. And I serve a God because I'm on this side. I'm on the side where I'm created in the image of the most high God. Come on, somebody. We need to give God all the honor and all the glory, our sacrifice, surrendering, our worship is to the Lord. So he goes and says, I am the only prophet. He says, now bring two bulls. So the prophets of Baal may choose whichever one they wish. He's letting them choose which bull to take. The prophets of Baal may choose whichever one they wish and cut it into pieces and lay it on the wood at the altar, but without setting fire to it. Everybody say, without setting fire to it. I will prepare the other bowl and lay it on the wood of the altar, but not set fire to it. Twice he's saying this. Then call on the name your God, and I will call on the name of the Lord, the God who answers, I said the God who answers by setting fire to the wood is the true God. All the people agreed. Then Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, you go first, for there are many of you. I'm the only one here. What can little old me do with a big old God? I don't know. Then Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, you go first for there are many of you. Choose one of the bulls and prepare it and call on the name your God. But do not set fire to the wood. So they prepared one of the bulls and placed it on the altar. Then 
They called on the name of Baal from morning until noontime, shouting, oh, Baal, answer us. But there was no reply of any kind. Then they danced and they hobbled around the altar. I'm sorry, I may not have some rhythm. I don't know, da, 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 da. You know, and they were dancing and they were preparing and they were singing and they were whistling while they work and they were doing all this stuff. And boy, did they look successful. Boy, did they make the funds. Boy, did they become president of their company. And I'm okay saying it's becoming president of your company. That's okay. Boy, were they rich and powerful. Boy, did they get this and boy, did they achieve this. But it was to a dead God. It was to nothing. So what is the point, family? They're preparing, getting their values off of something that doesn't even exist. Do you get where I'm coming from, family? Family. So we could prepare all we want. We could be as successful as all we want. But who is it going to? Because I've been living lives, and, and you know, you got a pastor up here, but there are times in my life where I didn't realize I was on the fence and I was preparing, working towards things and dancing and singing, and everything looked like it was going well, but I was providing, I was seeking treasure to things that were dead. Instead of things of eternal, kingdom mind, principle thinking things. Things that will outlast the things of this earth. Things that the moths and the rust cannot get to. That is being worthy of his worship. Surrendering all we have. Sacrificing and worshiping to the one most high God. About noontime, Elijah began mocking them. You have to shout louder, he scoffed. Now he's going to get really bold here. He's going to like, this is like the knockout punch right here. You have to shout louder, he scoffed, for surely he is a god. Perhaps he is daydreaming or relieving himself all over the place. Or maybe he is away on a trip or asleep and he needs to be awakened. I'm so thankful that our God does not sleep. That our God knows every hair in our head. That our God knows every thought that we think. That our God is with us and for us and he never sleeps or slumbers, but he's always moving. He's always looking for someone to give a gift of worship, a gift of surrendering, a gift of sacrifice because it's a sweet aroma to him and he's always accepting these gifts. Our God knows everything about us. This is our God we serve. This is our God we serve. See, he was pointing out a human being right there. Because I need to sleep. We need to relieve ourselves. We need to rest. Without Christ, we're dead. Come on, somebody. We serve a living, true God. So he says this, and what do they do? So they shouted louder. They shouted louder. And then following their normal customs, they cut themselves with knives and swords until the blood gushed out. Aren't you thankful that our Jesus, our Messiah, cut him, died and got cut for us and he gushed out his blood for us so that we no longer have to do that? That we just have to call on the name of the Lord? And our sins are forgiven for now we become this living sacrifice because the living word, God himself now is living inside of us? And there they're cutting and they're gushing up blood and they're dancing and hobbling around more and they're shouting louder. For what? For things that will not get them into heaven. For things that have no eternal value. I'm here speaking to some young girls right now. Don't just be giving yourself up for some boy who's not going to get you into heaven. Come on, somebody. I'm the youth pastor. And I'll preach this all the time to them. But I've also noticed that us at our age, singles do this too. 
I know it's tough. I know it's hard. Single and these sexual desires. But I'm asking you to challenge yourself. I'm not pointing any fingers here. Because I've been there. But I thank God that every day I stay on this side of the fence and keep on seeking him, keep on serving him, keep on honoring him, keep on worshiping him, keep on persevering and never giving up because I want to be more sinless. So who are we following? Because they're not going to get you into heaven. Then Elijah called to the people. That's it. Come over here. And they all crowded around him as he repaired the altar of the Lord that had been torn. He took 12 stones, one to represent each of the tribes of Israel. Then he used the stones to rebuild the altar in the name of the Lord. In the name of the Lord. Everything we do, whatever we do, we do it for the Lord. Then he dug a trench around the altar large enough to hold about three gallons. He piled wood on the altar, cut the bull into pieces, and laid the pieces on the wood. He came to repair the temple. I'm going to ask you something of yourself. I'm sorry I'm looking at my watch, but there's no clock here, so i got to make sure I'm on time. Because there's an important part that I want in service today. And we're going to come to the altar. The song Worthy of All is going to play again to give you an opportunity. And if you feel like your altar, your temple inside needs some repairing, see, he had to repair the altar of God's chosen people. Repair it. And if there's something in your heart that you know you need some repair of, then come up to the altar and worship us in the song. And after the song, all the leaders, if you can help me, just pray over anybody who's up here. You don't have to come to leaders. We'll come to you and we'll pray, even if it's one word from this message, even if it's one word from what God is revealing to the leaders to say to you, an encouraging, powerful, strengthening word to get us so that we can be encouraged and motivated. See, because... They were looking for relief. And I'm not praying for relief. We're praying for deliverance because our God delivers. The world might want some relief things, but I want a deliverance for us all, a revival for us all, a fire burning so much that we have so much passion in us that it cannot be contained, that it consumes our very soul family. So I'm giving us an opportunity. Don't, don't just waver it off and think it's no big deal. Now, it's okay if you don't come up either. You could pray at your seats. That's okay too. And I'm okay with that as long as you're okay with that. As long as God is calling you and he's saying you're okay, he's okay with that. But I'm challenging you. You're challenging yourself to come up here. So after... They put the wood on the altar. Then he said, fill four large jars with water and pour the water over the offering and the wood. After they had done this, he said, do the same thing again. And when they finished that, he said, now do it a third time. So they did as he said, and the water ran around the altar and even filled in the trench. Let me tell you about this water's business. There was a huge drought and there's hardly any water. It's amazing that on this altar, on Elijah's altar to God, they poured water. They had to get the water somewhere. They had to use all their sources, surrendering what little they had to God. Now, you would think lighting a match, it wouldn't work. You would think when fire comes down, it wouldn't burn. But God's fire cannot be contained. It burned down everything. In fact, the water even filled the trenches. Any pit, any ditch in you, any areas that you struggle with, the water, Jesus' living water filled it, and then it was accepting to the Lord and as a sweet aroma to the Lord that the fire came in and consumed everything. God takes the good, the bad, the ugly, and transforms you, renews you, and causes us to be people that he's called us to be. 
And Elijah was excited about this. And you know what happened. He killed, he killed all the prophets. All, all, the, all the dead prophets. It represents the things of this world. And he killed them all. And he left it there. And he gave everything to God. And Elijah was so passionate, so zealous, so, so, so excited and so eager that when he, this happened, when the Lord consumed this altar with fire, there was a fire burning inside Elijah that when Elijah was running home, he ran faster than the king, king Ahab in his chariot. Now, some scholars say he ran faster than the chariot with the horses. Some say there was bumpy roads and it took time for the chariot. Regardless, nonetheless, he ran and he did not stop. He had so much excitement. This is what it says. Then the Lord gave special strength to Elijah. The Lord gave him special strength. So this run couldn't just happen from a human point of view or standards. He gave him special strength. He tucked in his cloak into his belt and he ran ahead of Elijah's, and he ran ahead of Ahab's chariot all the way to the entrance of Jezreel. I hope I said Jezreel right. That's how it says in my Bible. I don't know what it says in your Bible. But, but he ran and he kept on going. He kept on running. And he didn't stop. Always looking forward because he had passion and excitement. And he surrendered everything to God. And when you surrender and when you worship and when you sacrifice, the fire of the Lord comes in and gives you strength in your weakness. And we got a skit that I'm excited about and I know you will enjoy at this moment. story of Dick and Jane. See Dick. See Dick pray. Dick loves God. See Dick run. See Dick run really fast. Dick loves to run too. Dick runs in races. On your mark. Get set. Go! See Dick win! See Dick win many races. See Dick in the paper. See Dick represent Canada. Oh, Canada, our home and native land. See Jane. See Jane run. See Jane run past Dick. Dick is smitten. See Dick chase Jane around the track. See Dick propose. See Dick pray. Dick loves God. Listen to God speak to Dick. Richard, if I took track from you, will you still love me? Would you serve me? No. See oh. Dick in shock. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. See Dick surrender his idol. See Dick marry Jane. Dick never runs again. But wait. See, Dick and Jane serve God together. They have three girls, and the youngest is the beautiful and most talented and most amazing child known to man. Uh, Jade, that's, that's not in the story. It is in my version. 
Good morning, church. Good morning. You know, I had the, the opportunity to, to experience a lot of success in track and field um, at an early age, and it created a platform for me to be able to, to speak about God and, and to witness on behalf of Christ and to talk about living a Christ-centered life. And while things looked good on the outside, there was a transition that was taking place in the depths of my heart. You see, the thing that I did started to take on the first love, the first place in my heart. It started to sit on the throne of my life. Now, there are many successful athletes and entertainers out there, so that's not what this is about. But I knew in the depths of my heart what was happening. People on the outside said, well, hey, you know, you, you could just rebalance things, reprioritize things. But I knew that I had to make a choice. You see, God, when he asks you a question, it's not because he doesn't know the answer. It's because he wants you, he wants you to hear yourself answer. And as I heard myself answer, it was clear to me what choice had to be made. So I voluntarily laid down that thing that I was so passionate about because I didn't want anything to separate me from him. It's a choice. And you know, there are times in life as I look back, I said, well, maybe I could have rebalanced. The enemy would say that, right? But you know, you know your heart. And you know, many years later as I was here in this church, you know, God spoke to me again in a very similar way. And he said, I'm going to restore your platform. And I believe he chose the word platform because he was trying to make a connection for me to the choice that I made many, many, many years ago. And as I look at my wife, as I look at my children, as I look at the many blessings that I received in my life, I know he was the right choice. He is the right choice. Great is our God. Great things he has done. Amen. Come on, give me a hug. <laughs> oh, yeah. Wow, that was good. Now, Des, you know, when I heard that story like 20 years ago, I heard it a little bit differently. I mean, that was based on a true story. But I heard from Des's point of view that it was the other way around while Kim was actually running after him. And it was these words that he heard her speaking to the other track and field stars. And he said, and she said to all the other women, any of you want to be Mrs. Griffiths, think you're going to lay a hand on my future husband, I'll cut you with my nails and I'll cut you with my cleats and I'm going to get the first place right now. So stay off and back off. That's what I'm just, this kind of what I've kind of heard in my story. My, who knows what's true? I mean, it's always based on somewhat of a true story. But I mean, in all, in all honesty, though, um, and I don't want to, I know Des is very modest. He was actually beating records of um, Donovan Bailey, who won the gold medal in the Olympics years back. So, I mean, you know, but, but Des and like so many of us and like Elijah had this passion, this desire. See, there were times in my life when, when and it was just recent too, guys, just recent, where I was questioning God, not questioning who God is or, or what's he here for or our lives, but I was questioning God, like, God, what's happening into, into my life right now? I feel like my, my, my altar, something needs, it's, it's broken. I need a repairing going on, and I don't know what's going on. And then I, I, I heard somebody speak about this, and I, and I read this in the Bible. See, the Bible is real. It's living, and when it speaks to you, it's like, that's it. That's it. And in Romans 12, if you're taking notes, Romans 12, 11, verse 12, it says, never be lacking in zeal. 
Zeal is an intense desire or enthusiasm for something. Passion, never be lacking in passion, but keep your spiritual fervor. Be fervent in spirit. That's being committed to something to set one's heart on. Passion, biblical passion is passion for what is good. See, we could have a lot of passion, but it becomes lust and it becomes desires of the world. But passion for what is good. Be fervent in spirit, committed in spirit, in the word of God. And I was lacking some of this. And, and then when you're lacking some of this, you start questioning your place in God and, and, and what we sacrifice and what we want to surrender. And then my passion starts becoming more of the things of these dead things than of living things. See, we were crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. See, dead things have gone away. Now I live in Christ. Now the living God lives in me, so I become the living sacrifice. Not a dead sacrifice. If I was things of this world, and I was serving things of this world, and I didn't accept Jesus Christ, then I am a dead sacrifice. But I am living not because I'm alive right now, but because the living God is living in me. The living God is living in you. So therefore, we become a living sacrifice. Come on, somebody. We should have all the passion and excitement to serve our Lord. I mean, we can go to football games, basketball games, soccer games, all the games, concerts, and we see people cheering and dancing and sweating and shouting and hobbling and, and prancing around and singing and crying, and they all have this passion and they're eating hot dogs and burgers and popcorns. And then when they come to church, I'm not saying you can't shout at a soccer game, at a concert. But my altar is for the, at the Lord's feet. And I am not going to shout louder at a football game than louder at church, than louder for Jesus. Come on, somebody. This is who I serve, a God who became a living sacrifice for us so that we can have eternal life. And I'm not saying we all have to shout because passion could come just in a whisper. See, Elijah... He was a minority at that time, and he was so bold and so confident, and that fire must have been loud, and it must have been ruffling everybody and shocking everybody, and it was like, Psh, this fire. But there came a part where when he was running back to the city, he heard what, what Jezebel said to King Ahab, uh, King Ahab's mother-in-law, and this is what she says. She sent a messenger to Elijah with this warning, may the gods judge me severely by this time tomorrow that I do not take your life as you did theirs. This is what she said, and it shook Elijah. There's always that one voice, that one word, that one circumstance, that one situation, that one temptation. You know that one temptation that is always speaking to you, putting fear in you, causing weakness in you. Always that one. And Elijah took a step back, and all of a sudden that passion and that excitement and that boldness, it was gone, and he wanted to kill himself from that one voice. And if, if Elijah just took a step back and actually listened to what she said, may the gods judge me severely. What gods? These gods don't exist, Elijah. What, from man? What can man do to us? Come on, somebody. Elijah should have been like, you can do, death does not scare me. Death, there's no sting on me from death. Death, where is your sting? What can death do to me? Because I have eternal life. I serve this God. But he was always looking for the loudest voice. So, so God comes in. And Elijah's standing there and waiting for God to appear. And he's waiting with the wind and the earthquake and this fire and all these loud things. But God was not in there, in those. But then God was in a whisper. 
And I'm here to tell somebody, even though that one voice might be louder, God in a whisper is louder than any voice the enemy, the world has to throw at you. Come on, somebody, even his whisper will shake this world. In fact, when Jesus died, it says this. It says, he was oppressed and treated harshly, yet, yet he never said a word. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as sheep in silent before the shears, he did not open his mouth. He was silent, but yet the veil was torn. We now become this living sacrifice because he shook this world to a new era. So I'm going to be the sweet aroma to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And I'm not going to keep trying to light my fire to keep trying to bring the passion inside of me. See, because what I was doing, I was trying to get passion from the world. Do you get where I'm coming from, family? I was trying to get passion from somebody, from compliments, from encouragements, from one person, from, my, from my, my, all my accolades, my trophies. I was trying to get acceptance from that, and that's where my passion was. And, and then we tried, what we're doing, family, is you're cheating yourself. You're cheating life. Because God is more abundant than that for us. You ever have cheat sheets in school? You know, are you cheating on a test? You're in this test, but you're cheating? What good is it? So I brought some cheat sheets here. In fact, let's see what's else in my pocket. I got a matches, right? Got matches and a cheat sheet. You ever do this, though? You're trying to light your own fire, bring passion from somebody else. Your wife is everything to you, which is good, but is she your idol? Your job, fame, fortune, people? What is it? Challenge yourself, family. I can't answer those questions. I know what God is revealing to me, what I need to repair, but how many times do we try to light the fire? See, that water was surrendering and sacrifice to the Lord, giving all to the Lord. And we have these cheat sheets. And because I don't know the verses I want to read, I got a couple verses here. Worship band, if you could get started, because I really want to do this altar call. It really was placed in my heart when I was praying. I was up 2 in the morning, and I could not go to sleep. I'm like, Lord God, man, you can make me preach with bags under my eyes? So be it. <laughs> so be it. <laughs> John 4, 22. <laughs> I always go back to these verses because I love this verse, the women at the well. John 4, 22. Jesus says to the, this woman who was kept getting water from the well, you Samaritans know very little about the one you worship, while we Jews know all about him, for salvation comes through the Jews. See, what she was doing was lighting her own fire, trying to receive a passion, a burning desire from other things. In fact, she had five other husbands, and now she's on another one. And her passion, her desire, everything about her identity was coming from someone else. And we can worship things that are of no existent, things that are dead, but we worship God. Next verse in this verse is John 4, 28. If we could have the worship band, I don't know if they can hear me. God, speak to them right now in the name of Jesus that they're going to come through. <laughs> John 4, 28. This is what it says. Then leaving her water jar, everybody say she left the water jar. I like to think she left it at his feet. The woman went back to town and said to the people, she pretty much said, I have found and saw the Messiah. Come see for yourself. See, here's what she did. She left the water jar. She left the idol 
at the Lord's feet because what she was saying was, you're worthy. You're more than enough. See, Elijah, when he ran away in fear and terror, it says that he left his servant. He left his servant. And it hit me when I was speaking in first service today. How many times we leave our loved ones because of something we'd rather go for. We leave our kids. We don't spend time with our kids because we're so after something else that's not gonna leave a legacy, that's not gonna have eternal value. Our wife, our children, our church over here, us, family. We bicker, we complain, we argue because we gotta just be right all the time or we don't agree with somebody. What are we leaving behind, family? We serve a God who died for us. So yes, I have passion. And you may wonder, Pastor Michael, why do you have passion? Whether it's loud, whether it's quiet, whether it's just with a whisper, because let me tell you something. I was once blind, but now I can see. I was once cursed, but now I'm blessed. Come on, somebody. I was once dead, but now I'm alive. So yes, I will be a sweet aroma to the one true living God. I will seek him, serve him, sacrifice, surrender, and worship. And be this incense that will burn day in and day out. Picking up my cross daily, every single day. Be a living sacrifice. So can you please all rise so we could sing this song. And worship the Lord our God for he is worthy of it all. So if you've been challenged and if you're challenging yourself and God is calling you, then come to the altar to be repaired. Come and be repaired in the presence of the Most High God. And if you want to stay in your seats, that's fine too. You do what you believe God is calling you to do and that's okay. So let's worship together, family. And after this song, please at least stay till the end of the song to worship because he is worthy of it all. Did you get something out of the message today, family? Can we surrender? Can we give it to God today? And for the rest of our lives, pick up our cross and say, worthy, worthy are you, Lord. Come on, somebody. Let's give Jesus a shout.